strange. Hello. <laughs> Already. Right out the gate. Doing, I assumed you were talking. Doing great, Rhea. Right out the gate. No, this is a... Oh, no, okay. you're okay. I'm going to leave all this in. I just assumed when you said... <laughs> I assumed when you said hello, you were just talking to me, but you were talking to everybody. Was, but that's okay. Hello. <laughs> that is to you. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> and hello to you, listener. How's it, how's it going? Yes, how has it been the past uh, few years? Since we have recorded a podcast episode together, just leave. This is our first time. Oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say I was going to leave it silent for them to answer, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, uh, I'll I'll uh, help you set that up. Okay. Uh, well, what was I going to say? Shit, I'm rusty, you guys. <laughs> it's it's uh it's been we didn't mean to disappear for years and years, but. We're back. Yeah, it's the Badland Girls. How have you been, gentle viewer? Yes. How have you been? Have you been taking care of yourself? We decided that this perfect storm of pandemic and social unrest was the perfect time for Badland Girls to come make their ultimate comeback. <laughs> Just in time for you uh, to not have anything better to do than to listen a bunch to a bunch of podcasts. Yeah, that's true. Here we are. Destiny and Rhea back, back at, at it. it again, and without the added benefit of be- seeing each other's faces, so we have no <laughs> idea what. Ke- That's why we keep talking over yes. each other because we can't see each other, and our uh, cues are just all oh. off. It's it's gonna take a minute, but I I think I don't know. I've done a little bit of podcasting with remote people, and uh. You know, you get the hang of it. We'll get back on on the saddle, all right. Yeah. What are what have you been doing uh, post Badland Girls? I know you've been doing a couple, uh, one or two other podcasts since then. Uh, just the one. I I've been recording repertory screenings on our new home, the Abnormal Mapping Network, uh, with Jackson and M, okay. which is a uh, every other week we we do a movie podcast, and our most recent episode was about. The 1990s cheese surf classic, Point Break. <laughs> How was it watching that movie amidst all the uh, police brutality that is currently happening in our wonderful we almost, United States? We almost didn't do it because we were like, fuck yeah, cops. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> we were just like, you know, it's Patrick Swayze. It's Keanu Reeves. Like, we, we can't say no to those faces. I get it. Uh and the movie was enjoyable, even, like, I don't know. The, the cops aren't good guys in that movie, and they aren't the heroes of the movie. Like, the hero of the movie of, is the sea. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real hero of Point Break. Uh, so it, it actually worked yeah. out. Um, and then the next movie we're doing is Battle of, our, uh, Battle of Algiers, which is a little more revolutionary so that's awesome for a split second i thought you were gonna say battleship earth and i was like what (laughs) i've never seen that is that as bad as they say i've never seen it either i refuse to watch it yeah no it's uh it's been a climate i tell you what it's been a climate but you know at badland girls uh we you know, we're we're all Black Lives Matter around here. It'd be weird if we weren't. <laughs> Can you imagine if we were not Black Lives Matter? 
I would get canceled by my mama, my daddy, <laughs> my grandma, everyone I've ever been related to. That would be weird. Yes, we want to um, like, express that Black Lives Matter. And speaking of Black Lives Matter, uh, my favorite salon in Benson, Parlor 1887, they painted a huge mur- mural in support of Black Lives Matter. And it's a bunch of uh, painted names of the victims of police brutality on their windows. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was nice. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things where it's such an older problem than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, for real. And, yeah, so it's, like, really important to remember a lot of those names. And hey, kudos to them for uh, doing such a thing. I know. Well, I also was really shocked that they finally decided to ditch Aunt Jemima. That's a fight that's been going on for decades, and I thought that company pretty much wiped their hands clear of that. I was real shocked that they decided to finally fucking change it. It's about time. And it's also just like, why did it take this long? (laughs) God, for real. Like, who ever looked at that after, I don't know how long Aunt Jemima's been a company, but like, or how long she's been a mascot. But I don't understand how it was fine for them for all that time. Yeah, it's upsetting. I had a, um, a... I guess a floor mate in college. She lived on the same floor as me, and her one of her research projects was about Aunt Jemima. And she showed me all the old images of Aunt Jemima in the 30s and 40s, where she really does look like a stereotypical mammy before her uh, mid 80s, 1990s makeover to make her look more like um, a Cosby house. An 80s yeah. mammy. <laughs> Exactly. That was their fix for it back in the day. And uh, it left a lot of activists really upset because it didn't necessarily fix anything. They kept the fucking name. And so I I have to admit, I was surprised, especially considering that they thought they fixed it, quote unquote, back in the day and, and wasn't actually fixing anything. So, yeah, it's just a weird relic from a time that like, you know, they would probably be the first ones to go, oh, we aren't even going to acknowledge those ugly times. And then, and yet they're still, (laughs) you know, spearhead of the company, sign of those ugly times. Oh, man. Oh, dear. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really glad things are changing, but I just think sometimes... So all we have to do is die. Yeah, what the and hell? And people give a shit about, about black people. Oh my God. <laughs> what the fuck is that about? Oh boy. It is so depressing. It's super depressing. It is, it is so depressing. As the uh, problematic, uh, w- sometimes wise Dave Chappelle once said, this racism is killing me inside. Oh. Yeah, I have, I've been trying to uh, be more aware and really start the difficult work of uh, working towards being anti-racist in my daily life. And I think that's what everybody who is a living, breathing person should be doing always. Yeah, you should always examine like your relationship to race, no matter what your race is. And always strive to be better, just like what can I do to be better? Can I be a little bit better than I was yesterday? Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. I think it's uh it's a lot to unpack, but I'm glad that 
um, you and others are kind of examining, like, as non-black people, like, your relationship towards that sort of thing. I think that's valuable work. And it's it's really, um, well, it's, it's complicated and it's fraught and, but I think it's worthy because in the end it will make you a better person. I agree. And it's the right thing to do. Yeah, it really is. And I, um, I see a lot more, uh, white people, white liberals, I guess, to be on the nose, uh, actively trying to do this work this time around. Uh, I didn't see much of that when Black Lives Matter first came onto the scene a few years ago, but I feel like a lot more white liberals are actually doubling down on doing the work this time, which is very encouraging, but also, like you said, sad that it takes, you know, uh, black people being killed so much death. to actually get to that yeah. point. Uh, yeah, it's like, give a shit about us when we're alive. <laughs> How about that? That's my challenge. <laughs> the, the white people challenge. Give a shit about black people while they're yeah. alive. That is my, my issue to you, white people. That's a good issue. Uh, thank you. Let's let's move on to something completely let's, different. Let's do that. Uh, we decided since, you know, we're making a grand comeback, we decided to shake things up a little bit in these COVID times and in these... I don't know. We're in our 30s now. <laughs> and we decided to... Sh- I'm damn near 35. Oh my god, you're damn near 35? Yeah, I, I'm in shock. I still feel like I'm 18 or something. <laughs> you still look like you're 18. You have that youthful face. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Meanwhile, I lo- I try. I'm to look like Baba Yaga. And every day I look into the mirror. Own it. Yeah, I will. Oh, the crone is coming back. She's she's on a comeback. Like battling girls are back, and the crone yeah. is back. That's good. That's good. Uh, no, but you we look decide, stunning as always. Yeah, we decided to do a uh, just like a quick uh, rundown of what we've been into. But anyway, we are going to be doing something called top three, where we just talk about our top three things that we've been into recently. So, Destiny, what's your top three? Uh, okay, so I'm gonna go three to Ooh. one. They aren't really ranked, but I just, I don't know. It seems dramatic. <laughs> well, now I have to do it that way, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my number three thing. Uh, do you, How do you want to do this? Do you want to go, like, I do my third, you do your third, then I do my second? Or do you want to have me just go through all three? Uh, let's do one and, one and back. That sounds like fun. All right. My number three is the TV show that ran from 1968 to 2003 off and on. Uh, Columbo, starring Peter Falk as the titular Columbo. It ran to 2003? Yeah, off and on. They always had like a TV movie or some sort of thing that they were doing. Uh, it was it was just really oh beloved. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> and he was in all of them? Yeah, he was always Columbo. Nice. So what, uh, what made you go down this Columbo journey? Weirdly, it was because uh, Karen Kilgariff of My Favorite Murder just kept making jokes about how slow it was. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, like, appealing to me. I was like, I really want just long shots of women playing tennis and 70s hair billowing in the wind and <laughs> just uh, bright uh, caftan after caftan. Just <laughs> give me the the 70s uh, fashion. So I've, I've started with the first couple of episodes, which are TV movies. Um, and then the first season has a 
uh, episode directed by Steven Spielberg, the very first episode, actually. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of um, really great guest stars over the seasons, like Roddy McDowell and uh, fucking Honey West. And I'm trying to think who else has been on Columbo. I'm blinking out now that I'm on the spot. But it's a good show. It's a genuinely good show. He coined the uh, howdy catch em genre, which is the opposite of a whodunit. So you see the crime at the beginning being committed and you know who did it. And then the rest of the episode is Columbo slowly putting together the pieces in his haphazard way to figure out how to catch the person that committed the crime. Uh, and I know I just said, fuck cops. But he's uh, a private detective, And I right? still stand... He's a private detective, still okay. a cop, but uh, I have a soft spot for Columbo. I have to admit that. If that is a problem, I'm very sorry, but it's just, <laughs> he just, it's a very soothing show. It's very comforting just to watch all the slow 70s television. Ah, uh, you got me. I want to watch Columbo now. <laughs> it is streaming on Amazon Prime, so if you're paying... Amazon Prime for if you're paying for Amazon Prime, you can watch Columbo. Ooh, okay, awesome. I'm okay. gonna counter your old show with an old show of my own. I have been watching Star Trek: The Original Series for the very first time. Awesome. Yes. I I've not finished. You have not it, finished it. Personally. I'm on season three right no, now. No, but I started it and I and love it. It is such a fun show, and I am the biggest basic bitch. Because I love Captain Kirk so fucking much. I love the trio so much. I love Bones. <laughs> I love Spock. I love the whole package. I love the outfits. I love the stories. I could watch this show forever. It is definitely my favorite Trek. And I thought I'd never say that after watching seven seasons of The Next Generation. That Next Generation is my favorite Star Trek. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say it like that? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's, it doesn't, it hasn't aged well. It's kind of hokey, <laughs> but I love it. I absolutely love it. It's uh, one that I will put on. It's like very comforting, kind of like <laughs> Columbus going back <laughs> to that again. I just, I find it very like earnest and it feels, feels, it fills me with good feelings. So yeah, that is my favorite. Picard's my favorite captain. I uh, I don't know why. Like even compared to DS9, I always will go back to Next Generation. That's wonderful. And you know what? You know, Star Trek has the original series doesn't has many many bits that haven't aged well. But there's just something about it. I almost like it because it's so imperfect. Same thing with Next Generation. Yeah. No. I I like um, DS9 just fine. Like it was really really good i just i don't know next generation it just hits you right right in your heart (laughs) my number two is this anime that my uh current partner turned me on to called psychopaths Mm -hmm. it's about this society that uh thinks they can predict crime minority report style Mm -hmm. uh by like giving everybody this hue uh, that they uh, use to sort of um, display their mental stability. And if your hue gets cloudy or if your psychopath number goes up past a certain point, then you're considered a latent criminal and you get, essentially you, you're you annihilated by the society. 
uh, by the, uh, I can't remember what the, like, police force is called, but it's, it's completely, like, kind of cyberpunky, very, uh, into its own psychology, and it's, and it's very critical of its own system without the characters being, like, aware that it's a bad thing. It's really fascinating. (laughs) It was, um... Directed by the same guy that did one of my favorite animes, Madoka Magica. Oh, cool. Well, the first season was. Uh, The second season, not so much, (laughs) which is apparently not as good. But I uh, haven't... (laughs) I haven't gotten to the... Through the second season yet, so I don't have an opinion yet. But uh, Madoka Magica is like, oh, it's my favorite anime. It's my favorite anime. I know. Well, this sounds interesting. I'm always interested in that kind of minority report, and I love cyberpunk to pieces. So I'm going to check this out. Where can I watch this? You can watch it on Hulu. Ooh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. It's, um, yeah, there's this, like, rookie member of, I, what is the cop? The cops are called the Ministry of Welfare's Public Safety Bureau. So the MWPS. Well, no wonder you didn't have which that is a right on the top of your head. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, rules Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> yeah, no, it's terrible. Uh, but yeah, so she's navigating that. And she works under some latent criminals who are trained as detectives. And everybody kind of treats them like dirt. Because, you know, they're latent mm-hmm. criminals. Uh and there's this whole, like, arc of this guy who commits these crimes, but his psychopath number never goes up. And he's a complete conundrum to the system. And so she's, like, tracking him down with this, like, handsome, latent criminal guy. Oh, and, oh it's so good. It's so okay. good. <laughs> it reminds me a lot, and this is going to sound weird, but it reminds me a lot of, like, the tension between Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter in the Hannibal TV series. Uh, fuck, I never watched that. Girl, they finally put it back on Netflix. Watch it. It is worth okay. your time. <laughs> it is one of the most, like, it is what I like to call just, like, high art trash. <laughs> I love that. That's such a good phrase. <laughs> Cause it's really like that's like all of Brian it's got Fuller's these locks. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's true. Well, yeah, it's got all these like lofty uh, ambitions of being like this artsy show, but it's also just disgusting <laughs> and really brutal. And I don't know, I absolutely no, ate okay. it up. But yeah, Hannibal. Oh my god! If you're not watching Hannibal, people, watch Hannibal. Okay, I will add Hannibal to my Columbo uh, list of things to watch. So many cop-oriented shows. <laughs> we didn't do this on purpose. We didn't, but it, the society's yeah, broken. It is. Because <laughs> apparently, well, like I guess none of the cops are good guys in any of the things that we've. Well, that's true. <laughs> are like talking about except for Columbo. He's got a heart oh. of gold, but he's also not real. <laughs> um. We just have a long history of. Um, not really having much media, popular media, that criticizes the police force. Um, We have a lot of popular media, like even uh, a movie such as like The Avengers or like a Captain America Winter Soldier that criticized the military, but not so much the police force. 
I can think of The Wire as yeah. being one of the most significant popular shows that really criticized the police force. Yeah, that's true. And even then, it's like, there's still this idea that maybe, like, there's something inherently good about what they do. I don't know, but I love that show. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I want to revisit yeah. it because... It's been a minute, but, um, oh, what's your, uh, number oh, two? Oh, my number two is something a little bit more personal. It is about a wellness challenge that I'm doing, uh, from my work. Now, normally I do not do any sort of wellness or workout challenge from my work because they have all, in my 13 years with the company, been inherently fat phobic to the point where Weight Watchers was hired twice to give us healthy recipes. Fuck you, Weight Watchers. That's really it messed is. up. But this wellness challenge, I felt like, was the first time it actually was about wellness and not weight loss. Because all the other wellness challenges my company has had has always been about, you know, how many pounds have you dropped to the point where they had an actual invasive weigh-in and one of the challenges, which I thought was horrible. <sighs> My work had did some sort of biggest loser thing, and I always thought it was kind of like they never said anybody's weight out loud, but like the fact that they did weigh ins was always really weird. Yeah, to me. there's just a lot of like fat phobia tied with that, and I refuse to engage with it. But this challenge was very simple it's drink two liters of water, so eight glasses a day. Um, go to sleep for seven hours and then move around for 30 minutes every day. And they don't say like what you need to do or what counts as physical activity or anything like that. And I've decided to take on the challenge just for fun. And it's actually had a pretty positive effect on my life. I haven't been drinking so many Cokes uh, lately since I'm trying to push a lot more water every day. And I've made it a point to find only YouTube videos that um, are fat lady friendly or like plus size friendly for bigger bodies because I really want to support those channels. And I found a lot of really good content to work out to. I've been working out with the very popular fitness marshal who always has or occasionally has a plus size dancer with him in the background. And then I've also been doing some simple beginner's yoga for bigger bodies by this one woman who owns a yoga studio in uh, Round Rock, Texas. And this has been very encouraging. I feel like uh, a lot of the wellness culture is so tied into fat phobia that um, it's really hard to kind of separate the two when you want to move around a little bit when you have a bigger body. But I felt like I've really been pushing myself to make sure that I, you know, inherently reject any fat phobic kind of channels or ideas while working through this wellness challenge. And I have. And it's been pretty fun. That's really yeah. neat. I uh, could stand to, like, just move around more. I find that I sit at my desk for nine hours a day working and then I just kind of lie around. Like, I go from the work chair to the fun chair. <laughs> as, a, as a tweet I saw once said about quarantine times, like, I'm just moving from one chair yeah. to the next. And so I, I could stand to move around a little more, get some uh, flexibility back into my life. Yeah, and I'll uh, 
compile some links to some of the videos I'm using. I feel like they're all very uh, positive and fun and really made for anybody of any kind of uh, weight level or fitness level or kind of flexibility level. The yoga video I felt was really, really well done. That's cool. As a disabled person, like, I really struggle to find YouTube channels that even, like, when they have modified workouts, I uh, struggle with yeah. those. So it's it's nice to know that, like, there's a burgeoning sort of culture of YouTube videos that, like, consider different kinds of people. Yeah, uh, when the yoga movement, like, was fully, was first embracing bigger bodies... A lot of it was about showcasing how bigger bodies can do the same moves as a smaller person, which is important and, you know, really important to kind of see, to have that visibility to inspire. But then those people are like super in shape and flexible and not well tuned to doing a class for beginners who do not have the same sort of flexibility as them. And now I see a lot more of those kind of instructional videos opening up online, which makes me really happy. That's very yeah. cool. All right. So now we're on number one, Destiny, and I am dying to know what your number one is. It is literally just getting a notebook <laughs> and putting some paint in it. I love it. Are you kidding me? Just art journaling, art journaling it up. I put on some of my favorite YouTubers. And I, uh, I'm trying to think who's a good one. Uh, I think it's the lady's name, Knitting and Things with Kellyanne or something like that. She's this lady in New Jersey who just makes this art. And uh, she taught me the value of just like not being ashamed of like the quality of my art. As long as I'm making stuff, it doesn't really matter. And there's the Rebookery, which is this school teacher in Missouri who uh, <laughs> does these repurposed cookbooks and uh makes art journals out of those um so i'll put on one of their videos and i'll just make something oh my god uh those videos sound amazing yeah it's been they're really fun like i uh i ex almost exclusively watch that on youtube <laughs> all day long to the like to the point where i think youtube thinks i'm christian <laughs> have they recommended you christian videos yeah, because, okay, the, the art journaling community overlaps with a lot of, like, Christian interests, <laughs> I guess. There's a lot of popular ones that are Christian. Really? I don't watch, I don't watch a lot of the religious ones. I watch a lot of the, like, secular art journalers, but they overlap in a big way. So you have to kind of be careful. But YouTube think, thinks I'm Christian because I get a lot of Christian ads you on YouTube. You're the furthest thing from a Christian. You're a witch. I know. Like, I don't... <laughs> yeah, it's... It's hilarious. It is high because I also watch a lot of new age crap, and I do get crazy YouTube ads for that. Oh my gosh, are they oh funny? Oh my, I oh really? I'm dying to know what one is. Like, what are they selling? Um, the one that pops into well, okay, there's two that come to mind. One is uh, <laughs> there's an ad for the new age subscription streaming service Gaia. <laughs> And it's always about like ancient aliens, which I find that stuff kind of oh, no. questionable. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, it it doesn't seem right. And it, there's something racist about it that I can't quite put my finger on. I mean, I, I kind of know what it is. It's saying like, oh, these civilizations couldn't have done yeah, this. Yeah, it always they're too it's primitive. Not, it's always like the pyramids or or stuff that like brown people made. Aliens did. Yeah, it's like they had alien yeah. help. Yeah. <laughs> 
So there's that. And then there's this one that I never get through the beginning, or excuse me, I never get past the beginning of, because I always laugh and I turn it off where this woman's like, I have a wand and uh, this wand helped me lose 30 pounds or something like that. And I'm just like, I can't deal with this. But the Christian ads are usually just ads for Christian movies that like weird actors pop up in these Christian movies. Uh, I can't remember the most recent one, but it was somebody that was like, you're too good for this. You're too good to be in this Christian movie. Uh, I wish I could remember who it was, but yeah, there's a lot of like cheesy Christian movie ads on my YouTube channel, but yeah, no, I, I put those on and I make little, like, uh, I mostly collage, but lately I've been trying to like bring myself to do more painting because I have a ton of acrylic paint that I never use. Um, so like I did a little painting this morning. I threw on, in instead of watching YouTube, I threw on, um, Netflix has this documentary series about the history of hip hop music. Ooh. And I've been watching that. It's really fucking good. It's called The Evolution of Hip Hop, and it's just on Netflix. Uh, it's been on, I think it's on its fourth season, but every season is four episodes. And my favorite episode so far is about New Orleans bounce oh. music, which I didn't know shit the about. Only, the only thing I know about that is Big Frida. Uh, yeah, Big Frida is a big uh, bounce figure down there. And like, well, they talk about, this is one of the cool things, because when I was a kid in the 90s, you couldn't uh this is a terrible thing you couldn't swing a dead cat i couldn't think of another <laughs> analogy like <laughs> you, you, you couldn't, couldn't swing a covid away killed from... cat <laughs> oh my god all, all horrible things sorry everyone uh you couldn't get away from uh fucking no limit records it was everywhere and master p and make them say <laughs> and the, I always forget that like he put New Orleans on the map and he wasn't making bounce music like New Orleans took a while to catch on to him uh, and they talk about that in the documentary and they talk about Cash Money Records which was another big one I mean they're still kind of huge um, I mean we wouldn't have Lil Wayne we wouldn't have Juvenile if it weren't for Cash Money Records but yeah they talk about like the evolution of those two independent labels who were so prolific in producing material like they were like a factory that they ended up getting like these thirty million dollar record deals <laughs> out of nowhere. Whoa. Yeah, it, it's it says a lot about how hard a lot of those uh, producers worked, like Master P and fucking I can't remember the Cash Money Records producer, but like they worked so goddamn hard and would would sell you know CDs out of the trunk of their car, and next thing you know they're all over MTV. Uh, so I don't know. It was pretty fascinating yeah and and of course they talk about bounce music and a a lot of the songs this was the thing i didn't know that cracked me the fuck up there was this very like famous sample that they would use and everyone would just use the same backbeat for all the early songs (laughs) what was the sample and nobody cared i can't remember it off the top of my head but it's like if you hear it you know it like you'll go oh okay it's that but it's really like i don't remember the name of the song but it's really funny because they would just put like different raps over it, but it's always the same song and nobody cared because you could dance to it. It was a fucking jam. Oh, that's so wonderful. I love that so much. Yeah, it really made me happy. Uh, and I just watched the episode about the early days of the Wu-Tang Clan, which was very funny because they came out of nowhere and they put 
uh, Staten Island on the map, which was like not a represented borough in the New York hip hop scene until they really came That's out. That's really cool. Uh, it was all about Queens and the Bronx. That's hmm? really cool. Yeah, no, it's it, it's fascinating. Like the guy that uh, narrates it is also the director of it, and you can tell he's just like a true hip hop head. And I am not by any means like a, I I was a very like nerdy child i was not into hip-hop like it's something i came to kind of late but even as somebody who just barely listens to hip-hop this is one of the most fascinating documentary series i've ever watched awesome love to hear that (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah i was art journaling to that so that was my my top three uh colombo psychopaths and art journals love it well my number one is or, drum yes. roll yakuza 3 which i can't go into oh, yeah. without name dropping the abnormal mapping episode about yakuza 3 which led me on the yakuza train in the first place um in fact i remember having an in-person conversation with M about uh me playing yakuza 0 and how much i loved it and they were just talking about yakuza 3 and how amazing it was because uh kiryu who was the lead of the game uh, is, you know, head of an orphanage in that game, and he just walks around wearing Hawaiian shirts. And I remember thinking privately to myself, I'm like, that just sounds so out of left field. I can't even picture it. Well, M, I'd like to say 30 years later from that conversation, you were totally right. I love Yakuza 3 and Kiryu in the Hawaiian <laughs> shirts. Uh, it's so different from the structure of the of the first few games because the Yakuza games have like two major components. So there's the main storyline, which is usually very dramatic and about, you know, Yakuza members getting killed and Yakuza members trying to take things over. And then the side stories are totally ridiculous. And they range from, you know, you buying a video game for a little boy to you going on a date with a girl. It's, it's absolutely fun. Yakuza 3 is the first game I played in the series where the main storyline are some of the most beautiful slice of life things I've ever seen. The first part of the game takes place in Okinawa where Kiryu is living with his adopted daughter. And they're both he's in charge of an orphanage and all the all the main stories are you just doing things for your kids. Why are they being bullied? Why are they struggling in school? Who stole this girl's money? This other girl wants to adopt an abandoned dog. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. I've not played them, but I've watched M play them. And yeah, oh my God. What what a wonderful, beautiful thing it is. It's, it's delightfully kind of uh, just strange in the juxtaposition of like this tough guy who used to kill people and now he's like, gotta hope my orphans. <laughs> It's wonderful, and I thought a little bit of that was going to be lost when you go back to Kamarucho to, you know, do Yakuza stuff, but one of the first things that happens in Kamarucho is one of your kids calls you and asks you to buy a manga for him that hasn't been released yet in Okinawa, and so you go to a convenience store and you buy this manga. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those games are cool. I need to play them. I, uh, I'm ill- woefully underplayed in yeah, those. I played, so I played Zero was the first one I played, and then I did the remaster of 1 and 2, and now I'm working my way through the rest of the series, and 
I have to say Yakuza 3 really stands out as a, a highlight of the series just because it really does veer off in a very different direction than what the first three were about. Friends, we're back for good. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we hope you are uh, willing to join us on this wonderful journey of podcasting again and listening to our wonderful voices uh, as we navigate <laughs> the this new this new world that we all live. What the hell? I sound like I'm fucking broadcasting from a pirate radio in the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I'm in the bunker. <laughs> We're gonna be okay. No, it's just a podcast. But yeah, it's it's, it's nice to be back. And, uh, you know, just, you know, write in badlinegirls at gmail.com. We'll be on abnormalmapping.com slash badlandgirls, I believe, is our new website, our new home. And we'll probably have a new uh, feed pretty soon. But you should be able to find all of our backlog episodes on that abnormalmapping.com slash badlandgirls yeah, I I haven't put them up yet, but they okay. will be up at some point. I'm slowly going to work through that, putting up that archive so our uh, past, what, five years of yes. episodes are not lost <laughs> really? to time. <laughs> but that's all we have for you right now, and we will be doing this bi-weekly. So we'll be back uh, in a couple weeks to talk more about other stuff and junk. <laughs> what's What's been keeping us busy uh, while we've been home yeah, exactly. I I haven't put on a bra since Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> you know what? I don't think I've worn one in some time. <laughs> I, I think I put one on I went to see my boyfriend uh recently and that was the last time I okay. wore one. I mean I put on sports bras recently. I was like, gotta put them up for the for the boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, let me rephrase. I haven't worn an underwire bra since Friday the thirteenth in March. Oh, I haven't won, worn one of those since like 2015. Oh so. boy, I'm losing this contest, guys. This is this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> when you when your big beautiful naturals are as big beautiful and natural as mine, you just give up on underwire. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh man. All right. Until next time, listeners. Always pizza always rolls. pizza rolls. We're still gonna keep that. <laughs>